Radio, the transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency, especially those carrying sound messages, or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy, a male fan, especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way. This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast, and here's your host, Bevo. Another week, another podcast, and this time we're talking to a lady who... I reckon is the mother of Sydney Radio. She's uh, been in the market for quite some time. You may remember her with Hans Torv on the 2WS Breakfast Show. Would you please make welcome Kaylee Harris? Hello, Kaylee. Yay! The mother of radio. Yeah, you're like, you're like everyone's mum. Like every, every time we talk, it's just like, oh. Just feels like you're my own mother, but you know you don't have to oh. tidy up after me or anything like that. How are you, Kaylee? You well? Oh, yeah, really good, thanks, Lee. Going really well, thank you. Let's uh, talk about your amazing radio career. You've been in and out of all different stations uh, since leaving the the breakfast show. Um, what are you up to these days? Okay, so these days I'm um, a an exec producer at Two GB, and um, I work across. Uh, any of the programs where they need me. So they sort of float me around um, the various shows. So I've worked on, on pretty much every show on 2GB at some point. Um, doing some on-air stuff for them as well over summer. And uh, and when uh, they were with 2 I was doing some stuff in the old Talking Lifestyle format as well, doing a drive show there. But these days I'm, I'm also doing a bit of producing for 2CH, which is which is really amazing for me because my, my dad was the national sales manager for 2CH um, back in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, so for me to, to be there now, it's almost like full circle, you know? Well, <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about those those early days of your radio career. I mean, the iconic TWS breakfast show with Hans Torv and Kaylee Harris. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where, where did it all start? You, you started in the uh, original building out at uh, the Western Suburbs there in, in Sydney, didn't you? Yeah, well, I was actually there. Um, I actually started there when I was 16. I got wow. a job there getting their uh, record library over from a card system over onto computer. Yep. And I worked there for about 12 months and then, then I got out of that and was working in um, in an advertising agency in North Sydney for about a year or two. Uh, then I worked at 2UW for um, about seven or eight years in the, in the 80s before heading out to WS around 1989. So, um, yeah, it was, it was right at the height of that sort of 2UWWS uh, rivalry, I guess, that, that um, I swapped stations because uh, I moved out to the greater west of Sydney and it was much easier for me to get to uh, the Seven Hills Pizza Hut building than it was to get into the city. So that's how it all started. I started off just doing traffic reports and community service reports um, and then it, it kind of evolved from there to a bigger role in breakfast. That Pizza Hut building, everyone refers to it as the Pizza Hut building. There's no other building in Sydney like it. And, and funnily enough, it wasn't even a Pizza Hut in the early days. I know, I know, right? Yeah, it's very well known. What, what suburb was it in? It's in Blacktown, isn't it? In Seven Hills. Seven Hills, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, right on the border of Blacktown. So very, very well known in the local area and, uh, yeah, great building. Let's talk about the iconic breakfast show that you did with um, Hans Torv back in the day. Um, yep. What are, what are some of the memories that comes to mind working with Hans? Hans is just the ultimate professional and just a lovely bloke. And and our breakfast show kind of evolved. It didn't 
you know, I didn't have a career path set out where this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to host breakfast radio in Sydney. It was nothing like that. As I said, started out doing traffic reports on breakfast and it just gradually, my involvement in the show grew. And before I realized that it, it had become this Hans and Kaylee thing. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, it took me by surprise. It just, it just sort of evolved and um, was, was, was a big surprise, I think, to both of us. But I learned so much from Hans and he is, just an incredible broadcaster, an amazing talent, a great support, and we're still very good mates, you know, today and still stay in regular contact. So I was so blessed to be able to work with someone of his calibre in radio who taught me, you know, so much about the industry. It's so nice to hear that you're still in touch after all these years. I mean, there's a lot of pe- radio people, they, they they put it on the work face, they go to work together and then they go home and live separate lives and, um, you know, they don't really keep in touch, but... Obviously, you had think, a really strong connection with each other while you were working together. Yeah, I think it is important, though, when you are working together to maintain a little bit of di- distance. I mean, you can't work with someone in a studio for four or five hours a day and then socialise with them as well. I, I don't think that's good or healthy. Yeah. Um, I think you you have your separate lives when you're working together, but there has to be that mutual respect um, between you both and we certainly had that, and and Hans taught me a lot of that. The whole the whole Hans and Kaylee thing really crept up on me. As I said, I I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't. I don't think management expected it to do as well as it did. But um, and and of course, you know, the rest of your life is playing out in the background. And I I, I got married, had kids. That's all happening as well. And they're all very major milestones in your life. Uh, so and you're trying to maintain, you know, a breakfast radio show through that as well so it i look back at it now as an incredibly busy time um i wish i appreciated it more when it was happening but i think i was just focused on you know i've got three kids i've got to get up every morning at three o'clock i've got to do this show and i was just i was just focusing on making it happen and making everything happen and keeping all the you know all the balls in the air as it were but um i wish i kind of had been able to sort of slow down a little bit more and appreciate the ride i guess Yes, definitely. Um, do you remember some of the, the segments and the benchmarks that you had during the show? Oh, we had some great fun. We um, <laughs> we used to have this um, competition we used to play called, um, uh, it was Hans's favourite, called Blow It and Win. <laughs> and <laughs> so we'd get people to ring in and blow their car horn. Yeah. And, and, and then Hans could identify the car just purely by hearing the car horn. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those great, you know, smoke and mirrors radio things. So what we do is get the person on the line, and then we'd say, "Look, there's no, there's no secret to it. If you just tell us what kind of car it is, you win a prize. And don't tell anyone else, and away you go." So we, <laughs> and people love to play along because people love to be part of a little secret like that. So yeah. we played blow it and win a couple of times a week, and people, you know, would still come up to me now and go, "How did he do that? You know, that's amazing." Go, <laughs> oh, well, you know, he had this incredible talent and. Um, Hans came up with some fantastic segments and uh, for the program and uh, you know with our street our various street people that we sent out on the road to do things for us and it was just it was just so much fun and I'm so blessed that I got to do so many exciting things because of that job that normal people just don't get to do you know I get to I got to go up in in RAAF aircraft and go to places that people couldn't go and meet people that that you wouldn't normally meet and I was just so blessed to be able to do that. Talking about those uh, people that uh, not everyone gets to meet, celebrities, who, who's um, some of your most uh, memorable um, celebrities that you met over the years? Well, funnily enough, 
um, we, Hans and I got to do an interview with Paul McCartney, Sir Paul, and Hans was, I, I like the Beatles, don't get me wrong, I think the Beatles are great, they're incredible, they're amazing, but it just didn't ring my bells as much as it, you know, as, as it was ringing Hans's bells. And he was like, yeah, oh my gosh, you know, Sir, Sir Paul McCartney, this is amazing, do you realise how big this is? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, he's really big, it's the Beatles, I, I know. But I, it, I didn't have that slap in the face star moment, you know. And so, we, and now I look back and I go, oh my God, I met Sir Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was the most lovely, gracious man. Um, but then I was also lucky enough to meet Tom Cruise. And for me, that's my slap in the face. Oh my God, it's Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> 80s icon. Yeah, but um, to other people, they go, oh yeah, well, I think he's a bit of an idiot. But um, to me, it was like, oh my God, it's uh, you know, Tom Cruise. So it's all relevant. It depends on who you're meeting as to who you uh, you know, how you feel about it. But yeah. another person, I, a couple of people who left an imprint on me was, one was Chopper Reed, Mark Chopper Reed. Yep. Um, he sat next to me in the studio for the interview and I have never been so uncomfortable in my life. Yeah. I've, yep. I, I felt all, every hair on my body stood on end. I just felt I was in the presence of evil. Yep. Um, and I can't explain it. I don't normally believe in that kind of stuff, but it, it was just an incredible feeling. And the other one was Meatloaf who uh, is a little bit out there. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> a little crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, again, you know, for me, in the 70s, Meatloaf was huge, and I was so blown away to meet him. Yeah. I just thought, oh my God, you know, I idolised you as a kid when I was 16, and to, to actually be able to meet you is amazing. You know? So I was very lucky. So the celebrities, you've, you've met a few over the years. What about the radio stunts, the publicity stunts that uh, got uh, audience attention or, or crazy things that you did outside the studio? Do you remember a few of those? Oh, my gosh. I'm just trying to think. Um, we did a uh, – we they were having a, a um, one of those big air shows out at Richmond Air Force Base, and we were pro- heavily promoting it for the RAAF and for the you know, Western City Development. And um, I got to broadcast from one of their uh, – Caribou aircraft with the back door open and me hanging out the back of it. Yeah, and it was just incredible to be able to um, to to do that, you know. And then then uh, you know, fly over Sydney and wave at people. We flew over quite low over Western Sydney and <laughs> uh, those sorts of things. Hans did another one where he was um, he, they they strapped him to the top of an inflatable hot air balloon. Uh, hot air balloon, of course, it's inflatable. A hot air balloon. Yeah. And um, he broadcast from the top of the hot air balloon. Now, when you think about it, that's really dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> he was okay. He did it. And I think, you know, well, that was that was the time when a lot of those radio stunts were happening. Yeah. Um, in the 70s and 80s, you know, you remember 2SM did some amazing stunts, you know, the, the jumbo under the harbour bridge and all that kind of stuff. There were some incredible stunts happening in the 70s and 80s on radio. And it was almost like, um, you know, what, what can we do that hasn't been done before? The other really good one we did um, was Hans and I had a bet on air where if, I can't remember the football team, let's say Parramatta won the won the grand final, Hans would walk naked down the Parramatta Mall. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and, of course, Parramatta won. Oh, so no. Whatever it was, they won it, uh, whoever won it. And so the, the, we set up um, the OB van in the middle of the, of the Parramatta Mall we were down in in the van, it's sort of hiding away. And to our, uh, we, we said to Hans would walk down naked down Parramatta Mall at eleven o'clock on this particular day. To our 
surprise, there were thousands of people. Yes. Oh, <laughs> thousands wow. of people showed up. Yeah. And then and then the police showed up and they knocked on the door and said, you know, you can't do this. This is, you know, indecency and you can't do it. Yeah. And the, the secret was, another great radio trick, the secret was you walk a dog down the street and the dog's name is naked. <laughs> Play <laughs> <of> words. <laughs> Nice. So and it nearly went wrong because I had a friend of mine delivering the dog to us at the OB van, and um, we'd made up a little coat for the dog to wear that says "Hi, I'm naked." Yeah. And um, the person got stuck in traffic, and this was due to happen at eleven o'clock, ten to eleven. There's still no dog, uh, and I'm like, "What are we going to do?" <laughs> Eventually, grab the dog, and Hans comes out of the um, the OB van in his in, in like a, a Hugh Hefner type dressing gown. Um, and walks down the mall walking this dog naked. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> and it was it was one of those classic, classic, you know, promos. Yeah, loved it. it was great. Got a lot of theatre of the mind going on there. People think one yeah. thing but actually meant another. Very, very clever. Um, yeah. April Fool's Day gags, did you do a few of those over the years? Oh, one of the ones that the, the one that jumps out at me uh, that that never actually got off the ground. One year, all the radio announcers in Sydney were going to swap stations, so people would wake up in the morning and and switch on two GB, and it wouldn't be Alan; it would be Doug Mulray. Yeah, um, whatever. And so we'd all swap stations, and my, all of course all the all the music stations were happy to do it. But um, the the talk stations were pulled pulled back sort of at the last minute and said no because if there's a major breaking story we don't want all the listeners switching into two GB and there's Doug Mulray you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> something bad's happened so at the last minute it didn't it didn't go ahead but I would love to have been a part of that oh, I think I think hilarious. we were yeah I think we were going hands and I were going over to two UE or two KY or something I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> It would have been fun. One one thing yeah. that a lot of people don't realise about uh, your career, you you temporarily um, were helping out the Wiggles at one stage, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I um, I got out of radio for a couple of years and I was um, national publicist for the Wiggles, which was just an incredible honour um, to, to have that role. Uh, and I was able to call in a lot of my media contacts and radio contacts that, you know, for interviews and things like that. And, hey, you know, we're coming to Brisbane and get on Brisbane radio or whatever. But, um, you know, they're a lovely bunch of people, great business, and I just loved working for them. So I think I was there for a couple of years, but it was um, when they did, they changed all the lineup um, of, of the team. Uh, the original lineup left, and there were three new members. So it's sort of uh, the business um, just wasn't as big as it was on a global scale when that happened. Of course, now it's since sort of taken back off, but back then it was just sort of starting out again. So, yeah. You're I all, left. Well, that's 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 a great time to be part of it. Very memorable too. You're there yeah. with the, the handing of the baton over to the new cast members. Oh yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, crazy media time. Everyone wanting to get you know an interview with the new cast members and stuff. Yeah. Did you get a commemorative <laughs> skivvy for your time? No, I got a, I got a few. I got a few little um, a few little bits of merchandise here and there, which was great. But I remember. I, uh, the boys were touring in Melbourne, and um, I've got I've got a relative in Melbourne, a cousin in Melbourne who I love dearly, and we I took the boys down there. The boys, uh, the Wiggles, flew home after this appearance, and um, I was staying down a night to, to spend time with my cousin. And I got out, I drove out to her house after dropping them at the airport, and um, pulled up at her house. She came out, I opened the boot, and and of course the boys' skivvies were there because yep. I was taking them back with me. Yeah, and I pulled my suitcase out. She goes, "Oh my god." 
is that the wiggle Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> I went, yeah. <laughs> I just said, you know, I'm just you know, taking it back and washing it. <gasps> I can't believe it. I can't believe that it. That is hilarious. <laughs> do, do they have multiple skivvies or is it just the one that they wear for the oh, whole hundreds. season? Hundreds. Hundreds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so iconic. No one else uh, yeah. in the world wears uh, anything that comes close to those iconic skivvies. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, great marketing. How's, uh, how's COVID affected what you do? Has it um, restricted a lot of uh, things in Sydney? Um, well, I guess, as you know, uh, there are some things in radio that you can't do from home. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, we can effectively uh, broadcast from home. Um, obviously, quite a few announcers are doing that during COVID. But when you're producing, uh, someone needs to be there to to answer phones, I guess, and to do all those other backroom things that um, you have to do in the talk format. So uh, I do have to still go in. So it hasn't really affected me um, negatively, Yep. I guess. Uh, I know it's affected you know, revenue and industry in general badly. And I'm hoping that that will turn around. A lot of networks have let people go. Yeah. But um, we just have to. I mean, you can broadcast. I, I can voice track from home. I can I can do things from home that we, we never thought possible before. You know, even without a studio, just you just need a little headset. Yeah. And away you go. So it's it's changed the way we we work. Um, and I think I think moving forward, a lot more people will be working from home. If they can. What about the world of podcasting? Have you uh, ventured into doing any of those? Um, I haven't. I, I, I've thought about it. Um, but unless you can monetize it, I couldn't see. It just appeared to me to be like a lot of work for little return. Yeah. Um, I've got friends who have got have had um, quite successful podcasts, but that they told me that it's an awful lot of work. Um, and if you, as I said, if you can't monetize it, there's a million podcasts out there. Yeah then is there a better way for you to be earning a living? So so that there that's my thoughts on it. And I might sort of think about it down the track, but at, at the moment, yeah, it's, it's just something I can't take on at the moment. Kaylee yeah. Harris, thank you so much for joining us on the Radio Fanboy Podcast. Thanks uh, again for sharing your story with us. Well, thank you for your interest, and it's so good to talk to you, Lee. Thank you. I really appreciate it. The Radio Fanboy Podcast, hosted by Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions. Dan Hill speaking.